All right, we are back. We would like to point out to you that uh, the sunset today was at 4.51. And for the past few days, it's been getting a few seconds later. Yes, sunsets are going to come later. By next week's program on the 18th, sunset will be at 4.53. Yes, even though days continue to get shorter till December 21st, sunsets come later. We're going to labor to explain that to you at some point. We tried last year and I think failed rather miserably, miserably to do so, but um, we'll take a crack at it again. But an item that I wanted to mention out of Discover Magazine that um, along similar lines, the autumn to spring part of the year, from the equinox in autumn to the equinox in spring, is fully one week shorter than the equinox from spring until the fall. Well, how can that be? The Earth goes around the sun faster about this time of year. The closest we get to the sun is on January 3rd or 4th, depending on the year. We're moving at our fastest at this point. So it actually, over the course of a year, makes just about a week's difference. <laughs> I just love trivia like that. Um, when we try and explain, as we will, I think we're going to have Ted. Ted Dunning is going to join us on next week's program, where we talk about the Wright Brothers' 100th anniversary, and uh, Ted, of course, is part of the trio, Kirsten, he, and Greg do This Week in Science, and we'll try and address this issue of how it is this pattern that the sun inscribes in the, so in the sky makes this, uh, this peculiarity of the very earliest sunset of the year come two weeks before the solstice and the latest sunrise two weeks after the winter solstice. It's odd but that's the way it is. If you don't believe me, go get an almanac and check it out. All right, I don't know whether you noticed this, but uh, on Sunday at 9 o'clock Eastern uh, Standard Time, the TRIO, I guess it is the TRIO Network, aired what was called the Award Show, Award Show. And uh, this apparently has angered our Hollywood correspondent who is now joining us by phone. David, I hear you're steamed. Steamed? I'm, hop I'm hopping mad, Doug. Right. Are you hopping right now? Yeah. Look, this is serious, and it will involve litigation, let me tell well, you. Well, so, what exactly happened? Look, I got rooked, screwed, uh, burned uh -huh. on this thing. Yeah. Hit below the belt. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, this involves, I guess, the award show award show. Yes, and that was my idea. I mean, you, you even interviewed me on your show up, uh, up in San Fran on this thing. Well, actually, we're in Davis, Sacramento, David. But, but we, yes, we did interview you on this topic last year. I remember that very well. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, will you do me a favor? Dig out a clip, okay? It might help me legally. All right. Let's do that. Okay, interview conducted last year with David Rosenblum. Yeah, with me. Uh, regarding the award show, award show. Yeah. Be it the Golden Globes, the Grammys, the Tonys, the Emmys, the Country Music Awards, MTV Video Awards, the classic Oscars. Look, people just can't get enough of these things. It's time that excellence got rewarded in the field of excellence recognition. So you've developed an award show for award shows. Yes. And if it pans out, look for an award show network on cable. You know, the groundwork is being laid as we speak. This is really exciting stuff, I'm telling you. Um, wow. What are you going to call the little statuette? The Archie. The Archie. Yeah, it's a seven-pound solid brass Arc de Triomphe, like the one in, uh, you know, Paris, France. Very classy item with, uh, you know, real heft. It's gold-plated, you know. And what will you award? Well, we're still working on that, working on all the kinks, you know, the finalizing, all that stuff. How, and, about, uh, how about best statuette? Best statuette is, in fact, one category. So you award a statuette for the best awarded statuette. Yeah, yeah, 
I mean, you got it. You, you, you're catching on, you know. Uh-huh. And this is going to be an all-star, five-star, A-rated production. I mean, look, look, look at it, look at it, look at this. We got J.J. Dynamite Walker signed on. We got Jaja Gabor signed on. Oh, Norm Crosby in final negotiations. Oh. We got Bob Denver, Wink Martindale, Mr. T, and the guy who played Horshack on Welcome Back, Carter. Ooh, Horshack. What yeah. else What else you got? None other. And it's not easy to get, not easy to find oh, that guy. Oh, I can imagine. All right, we also got a category, Best Host. So you can have Whoopi Goldberg competing with what? Billy Crystal for MC? Yeah, what? exactly. Or, you know, Robin Williams, whatever, you know. Uh, this, this sounds, that, sounds, yeah, that sounds about as much fun as strep throat. Well, you, you can stand to lighten up a little, Doug. You know, come on. Um, we'll sponsor this award show on award shows. Well, our sponsor is the fabulous and exciting Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Doug. Can you believe this? Can you believe this, Doug? Uh, well, what, what, what all happened here? All right, look. Here, here, the producers traded me the rights to produce the award show award show for the rights to cover Bush's trip to Baghdad, you know, that just took place. Well, that seems fair. Yeah, it would have been for a normal trip. Uh-huh. Yeah, but this one was super secret, more than top secret. The one where he walked around with a display turkey. Exactly. You know, Bush didn't even use my rubber turkey, by the way. You made a rubber turkey? Well, not rubber exactly. That stuff they make the phony sushi out of in the Jap restaurants. Yeah, it's well done. You know, you've seen it. Artistic. You know, some real talent goes into that stuff. Yeah, I saw an udon noodle display one time. Just made my mouth water. There you go. I spent three grand for this bird, cleared for Air Force One, and then Bush just grabs one off the display in the mess hall and walks around. <laughs> so did you? So you wound up it's with ridiculous. You wound up. You wound up with publicity rights for a secret. I'm shame, Doug. You, you had the publicity rights for a secret mission. They didn't tell me this would be a secret mission. That's the problem. Who knew? I should have stuck with the award show, award show. But, st- but still, don't you have the exclusive rights to the event once they revealed it? No, Fox got it. All huh. I had then was the franchise to sell T-shirts with Bush holding that turkey. I see. Only it wasn't my turkey, so now I have to split it with some fry cook from Halliburton. Well, that's too bad, David. Uh, my sales went right into the dump. I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, I'll, I'll have plenty to say in court. I'm going to insist I be granted the right to cover only victory celebrations in election 2004. Losers are a drag. You know, all the long faces and speeches about moral victories. Give me a break. People want real victories. But That's David, all they're going to watch. David, we don't, you don't often know who's going to win an election until they actually hold it, right? Well, in the old days, yeah. But I hope with new voting machine technology, we can plan better. You mean by vote counting before the polls even open? Why not? It's the least they can do, and if the technology's already in place, what the heck? You know, remember, remember when the Univac back in the 60s predicted whatever, I, you know? I think, I think we gotta go. Let me ask you, do you think I should trade my stake in the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame now? I, I mean, I can get the right yeah, to you, meatloaf. Yeah, you lost the award show, award show, but you still have a stake in the Hall of yeah, Fame Hall of yeah, Fame. I, yeah, well, I do, and yeah. I'm not sure what to do. Maybe, I mean, I, I can get the rights to Meatloaf's live recordings, and Jim Belushi's work as one of the Blues Brothers. Well, does Jim Belushi demonstrate any talent as a singer? Well, he's just as good a singer as a comedic actor. And then I'd have to say no. Well, what if they throw in concert rights for the village people? No. Children's books read by Ozzy Osbourne? No, David. Christmas cards for 04 saying season greetings from President-elect Joseph Lieberman? I'd say no. Okay, just asking. All right, well, th- David, thanks for coming. Good luck, and I hope that uh, you can, you know, at least hold on to your stake in the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame. I'll do my best. Ciao, Doug. All right. You know, David did bring up an interesting point. You know, that photo op with Bush holding that turkey didn't even involve a bird slated to be carved on, evidently. And um, I would wonder that if the phenomenal costs of that secret mission had they gone into additional military forces, maybe they would have allowed some relief 
for those stationed in Iraq, and maybe a lot more people might have benefited from the Thanksgiving holiday. But at any rate, here to discuss this event is our Iraqi correspondent from Baghdad, Colonel Skip Klondike. Colonel, how are you? I am well, thank you, sir. What can you tell us about that Bush Thanksgiving photo op? I can disclose numerous details, sir. Okay, well, good. Was that turkey fake? My understanding, Douglas, is that it was genuine cooked poultry item, not a rubber or wood reproduction as some people have suggested. So it could have been eaten if it hadn't been a display item. I believe that is correct, yes. The commander-in-chief simply elected to pick it up and stroll with it. Is it true that Halliburton supplied the Thanksgiving dinners, that, that company which Dick Cheney supposedly no longer a part of? Halliburton is one of our contractors, yes. Uh, so they provided the photo op bird. They do provide many wonderful services, from oil wildcatting to holiday feasts ready to eat. I cannot be more specific, though. I'm sorry. I can note for the record that the giblets, cranberry sauce, and yams were all taken from the standard food pool. So, uh, okay. Was the gravy definitely edible, would you say? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. The potatoes? We can neither confirm nor deny the comestible nature of the mashed potatoes, sir. I see. Nor can I address the issue of stuffing, nor any actual recipes, national security. I'm sure you understand. I, I do. Uh, what's this we hear about families buying Kevlar bulletproof vests for their loved ones in Iraq, Colonel? We do not prohibit private purchases of body armor, so it is possible that families may do this, yes. Well, Colonel, shouldn't our troops be supplied with your basic protective combat gear? Well, many of our contractors have just been swamped with orders. Swamped? When supplemental sources are available, we welcome them. Well, why didn't the Pentagon anticipate the need for such items? It is not so much that such a need was unanticipated, but rather that the ongoing usages were not fully predictable. So, Rumsfeld didn't figure we'd still be at war once we declared the conflict over last May. No comment. Well, how's the search for weapons of mass destruction going? We have uncovered many files indicating that there was a desire to create many such programs. Many. Mm -hmm. But just no actual hardware. We have discovered, Douglas, a cache of reference books, binders, graph paper notebooks, pencil sharpeners, petri dishes, you name it. Mm, sound, sounds like a high school science lab. More like a junior college, at minimum. Uh-huh. But that's it? It's quite a large volume of materials, all things considered. We don't think that the need of a school lab can explain such a large repository. We find this very ominous. Ominous? Yes, ominous. We found over 9,000 test tubes and over two dozen Bunsen burners. But still, no bona fide weapons. Just because no weapons were tactically ready, Douglas, does not mean the danger was necessarily any less. It doesn't. We are saying no. Well, isn't that how the war was justified? The imminent danger of battle-ready weapons? Technically, but a planned program is also a danger, perhaps the equal of all other dangers. So a neighbor doodling a pellet gun on his napkin... Yes? is the same level of threat as a punk with a Saturday Night Special lurking out in your bushes. Well, I, I think that is a poor example. Well, why? Well, suppose the neighbor doodled an AK-47 assault rifle. Okay. And if you knew he had enough money to buy one, would you not want to take preemptive action? By invading his house before he's even obtained a weapon? Maybe. By then it could be too late. Well, I guess that's the U.S. attack on Iraq in a nutshell. Better to be safe than sorry, it's what I always say. Well, what, what about look before you leap? Well, we did look around a bit, then we leapt. Well, speaking of preemptive attacks, um, did the Army commemorate Pearl Harbor on Sunday? There were ceremonies, yes. We desire that the U.S. never be attacked first like that again. So now we do the attacking, just like Imperial Japan? Well, that way, one is not caught with their pants down. Do you f not find it preferable? 
Well, Colonel, not at the threats minimal and the costs of war $200 billion and thousands of lives. With all respect, Douglas, the coalition of the willing elected to proceed despite your assessment, which is, if I do say so, rather negative. Okay, well, we attacked Iraq despite worldwide opposition, even in the home countries of participants, Colonel. I think you'd be surprised at how popular this war is among many coalition members. Well, which nation's population supported it? Polls at Lithuanian shopping malls last Easter showed that over 52% of holiday customers said, great, to take out Saddam. Any others? Well, foreign aid stations in Eritrea, Poland, Togo, the, the Maldive Islands, the Tonga, they've all shown consistent pluralities of people saying, we're glad that Saddam Hussein is deposed and or dead, but at any rate missing. And you think that's a representative finding? Well, we think so. Not just an opinion from places where the U.S. is handing out packages of craft foods and cigarettes. No comment. Colonel, any troop commitments from these allegedly supportive nations? Well, they are doing what they can. Just without sending bodies? Well, it is the sorghum harvest season in Togo, so they're pretty tied up. And the Maldive Islands? As soon as they get a new prop shaft on their ferry, they say they're go to ship out to the Gulf. Well, that's just, that's great. Oh, they'll be a big help. I'm, I'm sure they will. I gather the Spanish population's not too happy right now. Douglas, I am pleased to report right here, the Spanish people have sent over 50 crates of olives and tin sardines to brighten the Christmas season in Baghdad. No Valencia oranges? Oh my, yes, a good number of stocking stuffers, of course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tonga? I can honestly say that you have never tasted coconut cream pie until you have tried what fresh coconut can do for confectionery. Their baked goods have revved up many a tired century here after a long, tense guard duty. Uh-huh. So the snacks offered up by U.S. allies are really picking up morale for our men and women after a firefight. Well, it's a real boost, that's for sure. Mm. Well, Colonel, we appreciate your candor and helpfulness, as always. Thank you, sir. That turkey display carried around by the president, by the way, has been donated to the Smithsonian. To be displayed in the Hall of Shameless Political Maneuvers? Not, not to my knowledge. Is that the information you have? No, sir. I was being sarcastic. Oh, <laughs> what a relief. Yeah. No, I'm quite sure the turkey will occupy... That was a, a good one. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm quite sure the turkey will occupy a place of honor next to Nancy Reagan's designer gowns. What you said before would have been quite a public relations black eye. Yes, it would have been, no matter how deserved. A real shiner. Well, happy holidays, Colonel. Under the circumstances, we wish you only the best uh, for you and all those serving in your difficult situation over in Iraq. Before I go, Douglas, I should add, you know, Vietnam donated all the rice to be used in the Christmas pudding. Well, that is an amazing irony. Isn't it, though? And what is more amazing, we're using old napalm as cooking fuel. Wow. Well, Colonel, good luck and, uh, and season's greetings. Swords into plowshares, you know. Yeah. All right. Have Alrighty. a good one. All righty. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, we had a bit of fun with that, but I do want to point out to you, by way of reminder, item from the Associated Press from October, relatives of U.S. troops stationed in Iraq have been buying their loved ones $1,000 ceramic body vests that are strong enough to protect against bullets from assault rifles. Congress approved funding for the armor six months ago, but bureaucratic snags have slowed delivery. That's a real item. I think that might be a better investment of taxpayer money than $2.64 for Iraqi gas coming from Kuwait. We have a follow-up also uh, from an email from Jane Rosconi. Gave us a great interview a couple weeks back about her work for Oliver Stone. 
um, 10 years ago for the movie JFK. Jane sent us an article from The Independent talking about that battle that took place in Samar where the military, the U.S. military is claiming that its troops killed 54 regulars. Apparently Saddam Hussein loyalists, according to our military. But the reports uh, were unable to come up with the bodies. The U.S. military said, well, they probably whisked them away and quickly buried them. It turns out eight people were killed at Samara, according to the best estimates, and they appear to have been civilians. Now, a real battle did take place, involving 100 soldiers, six tanks, four Bradley fighting vehicles, four Humvees. Quite a bit of crossfire going on, but it appears that the people who died were civilians. To again use the Vietnam comparison, we talked about winning the hearts and minds of the Vietnamese people. I think the hearts and minds of these Iraqi people, the relatives of these victims killed in this sort of thing, it's unlikely we're going to be winning them over to our worldview that we're making Iraq a better place. By the way, Jessica Lynch, who's a myth unraveled. I mean, we told you about that story back when it happened in the spring. Well, it's now been pretty thoroughly discredited by the mainstream media in the United States. Uh, she's getting only 80% of her disability benefits. Interestingly, Shoshana Johnson, who was captured in the very same attack and who apparently fought to uh, fought off her Iraqi captors, was seriously injured and is getting only 30% of her monthly pay in disability benefits. What is up with all of this? I saw a bumper sticker today that said, uh, I support President Bush and our brave troops in Iraq. Well, we too support our brave men and women in uniform overseas, but uh, we feel very strongly that they should be put in harm's way only for a good cause, and we do not think this war in Iraq represented a good cause. Last item before we go to break here comes out of the Sacramento Comic Press, which published numerous cartoons related to what is going on over there. Uh, the one I would cite, and James Israel we're going to bring back on the show again, the editor of the Comic, uh, the comic Press News. Uh, as a reprint from the Boston Globe Wasserman cartoon shows a GI speaking on a, on, a, uh, on a mobile phone with just destruction behind him, a blown up car, blown up building, holding up a paper that says, Bush, bombings show Iraq plan is working. Speaking into the phone, the soldiers saying, send more ambulances. Our successes are mounting. Once again, I think we could use a break. This is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento, Dash, Highway 80. <laughs> 